Hey friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. I want to talk to you today about hypnosis. What is hypnosis? Is it dangerous? Is it not dangerous? What could it do for you if you're thinking about seeking out a hypnotherapist? And the reason why I want to bring you this episode is because this is the healing modality that I get asked questions about the most. I am a certified practitioner of hypnosis. And this is one of those modalities that some people are really excited about when they sit down with me and they say, can we do hypnosis? And I say, yes, absolutely. And some people are like, listen. I don't like hypnosis. It makes me very nervous. Or I've gotten this one before. Oh, hypnotherapy doesn't work on me. So I wanted to do an episode where I talk about what is hypnotherapy exactly? What is it doing inside the neurology of the brain? Is it dangerous? Is it manipulative? Does it open you up to mind control? I'm going to answer all of those questions And I'm going to go over the benefits of hypnotherapy. So maybe if it's nothing you've considered before, you might understand if it would be a beneficial thing for you to pursue in your life or not. You'll be more educated about this topic regardless. And remember, the more you know, the less you don't know. The more you know, the faster you grow. So today, let's talk about hypno. I'm speaking in rhyme. That is so funny. Oh my gosh, I'm keeping that poem there just because it feels very on brand for me to be speaking in rhyme right now. All right, well, I'm going to kick this episode off by explaining that I was the person who was very wary of hypno. I didn't like it. I was raised in a home that thought it was dangerous, that thought that it was spiritual or that it opened me up to spiritual darkness And so when I went to go get certified in NLP, I didn't know at the time if I was going to stick around for the two days of hypno because when I signed up, you could only take hypno as a unit. It was like, these are the certifications you're going to receive when you come. You're going to receive NLP practitioner, NLP coaching, you're going to receive timeline therapy, and you're going to receive hypnotherapy. And so before I went to this training, I even sat down with the instructors and said, I just want you to know, hypnotherapy makes me really uncomfortable. Like, I'm not sure if I'm going to stick around for this training because they had told me that during the training, I would be hypnotized. And I said, I'm just really not sure about it. And so my instructors were really good about explaining to me what I was going to experience and what it was and what it was not. And... They also said, if you want to leave for this part of the training, you absolutely can. 
or you can stick around for a few minutes, kind of see what it's about. And if you're feeling uncomfortable at any time, feel free to leave and you just won't receive that certification. So that's how I ended up getting certified in hypno, uh, was very cautiously. And I decided to stick around for the entire training because my trainers were excellent at explaining what hypnotherapy was and what it was not and what the experience would be like. And so I ended up having a great time. I learned so much. I stayed through the entire training. I got certified and I've used hypnotherapy with several clients who have gotten amazing results. So the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the results. And that's also what I want to talk to you about today is what kinds of results you can get from hypnotherapy. But let's start with what hypnotherapy is not. So that means we have to talk about mind control. What is mind control? I don't know if you have heard of the experiments of MKUltra. I am going to explain MKUltra and how hypnosis got tied up into this idea that hypno is the same as mind control. And what is MKUltra? We have to start there. This is dark, okay? So I'm just warning you if you're sensitive to hearing about things that might be a downer, you can just fast forward this part. Or if you have kids listening, this is a little bit dark, but I am going to stay very bird's eye view. It's a lot dark. I said it was a little bit dark. Mm, It's a lot dark. And I'm going to (laughs) stay out and above and just explaining kind of the big picture of MKUltra for a minute. It was an illegal human experimentation program that began in 1953 and wasn't halted until 1973. This illegal experimentation program was taking place all over different parts of the world. And in the U.S., it was at the center of the CIA. Basically, MKUltra was designed to see if people could be brainwashed into mind control. Now, various groups of people were using this experiment for various different reasons. The US is saying that they're using the MKUltra experiments to see if they could get forced confessions from people. So does the end justify the means? I would say no, but the argument at the time was, yes, if we can you know, figure out a way to force confessions from people, then the end will justify the means. No, no, no. Cancel, clear the screen. This was a horrible experiment. In short, hypnotherapy was the last piece used. What had to happen in order for people to take actual mind control or what they were calling mind control in this experiment, there were a lot of different pieces. And The most important piece of the puzzle was mind-altering drugs, acid, LSD. This drug was meant to weaken people's value system. It was meant to weaken their mind. It was used to make them susceptible to beliefs that they didn't actually hold at the conscious or unconscious level. So the drug is intended to break down the core identity of the self, and in that way, then a person could do something that they normally wouldn't. Because the key thing about hypno, and this is really important, so if you tune me out for the rest of the day, fine, hear this part. The thing about hypno is that you would never do something hypnotized that you would not do in a waking state. Your unconscious and conscious mind talk to each other. So, If I hypnotized you and said, now 
I want you to go rob a bank. The only thing that would happen is that your unconscious mind would say, this is weird. Absolutely not. I would never do that. And it would fully wake you up into a full wake state because you cannot hypnotize someone to do something that they wouldn't do that would go against the core self that would go against the core values of the moral self. So when the MK Ultra experiment took place, they knew they could not hypnotize people to do something that the self would say no to, that the unconscious mind would say, I would never do that. I would never go rob a bank. I would never go do insert horrible thing here. So the drug was used to weaken the self-identity and to disconnect the unconscious mind from the conscious mind so they don't talk to each other and to take over the unconscious value system and shut it down. So drugs are required to get somebody to do something that they normally wouldn't. That's the key piece that I need you to take away. You would never in a hypno state do something that you would not do in a waking state. You would just simply wake yourself up and say, no, that doesn't feel right to me. I'm not going to do that. So the first key piece, if I'm not me, but when people did this experiment with the MK Ultra, the first thing they needed was mind-altering drugs. There was another key piece, though, and that was extreme torture. So that's where I said it gets a little dark. I'm not going to go into the details of the extreme torture, but the bird's eye view of this is that what these people would do is they would put people in an isolated situation. They would remove them from all other people and make them isolated, which is a form of torture in itself, wouldn't you agree, if you were isolated completely from the outside world? So they would isolate these people from the outside world, and then they would torture them for hours, and they would give them teeny tiny rewards for obeying. Like, for example, a single puff from a cigarette, or if the person was starving, a single bite of bread. So they would be not only tortured, which was a key piece, they would be given teeny tiny rewards for obedience, just the smallest bit of pleasure or relief from torture. They would give them just the teeniest bit of reward for complete obedience. And then if they didn't obey, they got extreme, extreme punishment, extreme torture. Okay, we're free from that. Let's clear the screen. Let's talk about happy things now. Sunshine and daisies. Okay, we are totally free from that. These experiments are over. They have been deemed illegal, totally illegal for all the reasons that they needed to be deemed illegal. This is unethical. I think we would all agree this is absolutely unethical. So what would happen, this is the last piece, is once the person was totally isolated, they were tortured, they were given small rewards, they lost a sense of their identity, they lost their self, they lost an inner touch with their unconscious mind. Once they lost themselves and were highly susceptible to doing something that was outside of their true identity, because their true identity is now gone, then the last piece was they were hypnotized. Why the last piece? Because hypnotherapy itself would never get somebody to do something against their moral code. It would never get somebody to do something against their inner value system, against the unconscious mind. Hypnotherapy must be in alignment with the unconscious mind. 
it must be used ethically. Otherwise, the person who's hypnotized would just simply wake up and say, that's not going to fly with me. That's not according to my unconscious value system. I'm not doing that. And you would be totally awake and totally alert. So in order for you to understand this better, I need to go into what hypnotherapy actually is when I say you would just wake up because you're not fully asleep. So what do I mean by that? What I actually mean is that you would be put in a different energetic state because hypno is simply an energetic state. That's all it is. And I'm going to dive deep into this. So when I say you would wake up, what I actually mean is you would go from being sort of sleepy and meditative to fully awake and fully alert. Your energy would shift. Hypnosis is just a state of awakeness or alertness. It's just a state of energy. For example, have you ever called someone and when they answered the phone, you knew immediately that they were in bed? You could just tell. (laughs) This happened to me yesterday. That's why I'm thinking of this perfect example. I called a friend who had left me a voicemail And this is how I answered the phone. Hi! This is how he answered the Paul. Oh, I was going to keep his name a secret. Oh, well, his name's Paul. (laughs) This is how Paul answered the phone. He said, hey. And I just knew. I just knew intuitively. I was like, oh, I can tell by his energy level that he is in bed. You know you've done this. You know you've called someone and you can immediately tell if they were asleep just a second ago or barely waking up or maybe they're just in that really relaxed sleepy state you can tell that energy right you know it you've heard it before that's where hypnotherapy takes place it takes place in that state a very sleepy relaxed not really asleep not really awake just kind of hanging out in that very chill place You're not fully asleep. You're just totally relaxed. Well, when I say if I asked you to do something under hypnosis that you wouldn't do while you were fully alert and fully awake, you would just snap out of it and you would be fully awake and fully alert because your unconscious mind would go, something's not right. And it would jolt you into a different state of energy, a higher alert state of energy. You would shift. Did you know that these different states of energy actually have names and that you experience them throughout your day? So it's not just two states of energy, asleep and awake. It's not even just three states of energy, asleep, half asleep and awake. So I'm going to go into the different states of energy and what those mean for you. Because what you can do with this information is if you are kind of having a day where you feel like you're lagging and you feel like you're dragging and you want more energy, I'll tell you how you can shift your energetic state. But let's learn what the energetic states are, what purposes they have in your life, and how you can move yourself consciously through different energy states instead of just kind of unconsciously, you know, going through an energy state that maybe isn't the best suited for what you're doing right now. For example, if I'm going to compete in a pageant, It is not going to be okay for me to get up there and be in this super slow energy. I need lots of energy. Conversely, if I'm trying to sleep and I have this sort of jittery, anxious energy and I need to be in a slower, more relaxed energy, I'll tell you how you can consciously pick what energy state you want. But first, let's break down what are the different energy states. 
and how can you use them? An electroencephalograph, or an EEG, measures the energetic brainwave to determine its energy level or its frequency. Now, don't worry so much about the terminology, but that term describes how quickly a wave is moving or how slowly a wave is moving. In other words, how quickly does that brain wave repeat itself? If you had to guess, when would you say the frequency of the brain wave is the slowest? Yep, you guessed it. Your energy level and the brain waves are the slowest in your sleep. This is the deepest layer of sleep when we are in delta. This delta brain wave is when we're in a deep, dreamless sleep, a non-REM sleep, or we're completely unconscious, meaning we're not aware of our physical reality at all. This is what most people assume that hypno is going to be like, that you're going to be totally unaware of what's going on, that you're not going to be conscious at all. But that is a misconception. You're usually at the next energy state, which means you're not entirely out and unconscious like you would be in Delta, but you're in sort of a sleepy, relaxed, dreamy state, theta. Theta activity is slow activity. It's when we're meditating or praying or in a deep internal focus, like a daydream. Now, studies have shown that theta activity or theta brainwaves are more common in children. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Like when you think about what theta is, it's when you're in your subconscious mind. It's when you're daydreaming. It's when you're using your imagination so of course, children access this brainwave a lot more. When do you think adults enter into this trance-like theta brainwave frequency? So this theta state, it's when you're totally tranced out. You're actually hypnotized and you can enter into this energetic state all on your own. You don't even need a hypnotherapist. You do it all by yourself. Do you know when you do it the most? When you are driving have you ever been driving somewhere and you went to the wrong place or you missed your exit or you get to your destination but you can't even remember the drive there? That is because you were in a theta brain frequency, a theta energetic state. You got lost in thought. You were on autopilot. Your body remembers how to drive the car. Your body remembers what to do at a red light, at a yellow light at a green light. So consciously, you don't really need to be there. You can go totally inside and daydream and think and get lost in thought because you're driving the car on autopilot. It doesn't require focus. It doesn't require that conscious awareness. So when the conscious awareness isn't required, you slip into that theta energy state. You go inside, you daydream. You think to yourself, this is exactly what happens in hypnosis. You're there, you're conscious, you're aware that you're sitting in your chair with your eyes closed or laying down with your eyes closed, you're aware of that, yet you're lost in thought, you're going inside, you're thinking about certain things. And this internal dialogue or this internal thought process slows down the brainwave and puts you in theta energy level. Once we reach this state of frequency, 
the unconscious mind can communicate what it wants and desires the most. So if I were to do a hypnotherapy session with someone and they're sitting there and we reach that theta brain wave, I can actually talk to the unconscious mind about how its automatic behaviors are not in alignment with what it truly desires. And I speak to the unconscious mind in story, in metaphor, in symbols, because that is how the unconscious mind communicates. So that is why, if you ever listen to a hypnosis, they'll say, you're walking along the beach, right? <laughs> or you're in a forest. All that's doing is allowing the unconscious mind to be talked to. Because the unconscious mind, the dreamlike imagination, prefers to communicate in symbol. So I sit down with the client first before we even do hypno and talk to them about what behaviors are not in alignment with what they desire. And if they're asking to make ethical changes in their life, then we use that language, that symbolic language, the dreamlike state, to communicate with the unconscious mind, it must change its behavior to reach its desired outcome. What is a perfect example of this? You're free from this example. It's just an example. A perfect example of this is a client who comes to me and says, I want to stop smoking. I feel addicted to smoking. You're free from this. And I just want to stop. It's not in alignment with my value of health. And I have a conflict around wanting to quit, but desiring it. So when we do hypno, I communicate to the unconscious mind that this desire for smoking is in direct conflict with the desire for health. And as I'm communicating this, the unconscious mind can learn in a new way Ah, yes, I must quit this activity and adapt and adopt a new activity in order to reach my true desired outcome of health and wellness for the body. That makes perfect sense, right? Well, the question I'm sure you have is, why can't I just talk to myself consciously? Why must I go into this theta-like brainwave in order to communicate my true desires? I don't want to smoke. In my waking state, I really don't. Can't I just will myself to stop smoking? Well, using your will to try to do anything is going to be a lot of hard work. What if you could just change the mind at the unconscious level to just naturally stop desiring it? Wouldn't that be a lot easier than using grit and willpower? Of course it would. Of course it would. And the brain is most adaptable to new ideas, to understanding and to learning in this theta state. That's why we use the hypnosis to help the brain get into theta. The brain goes into theta on its own all the time. When I'm driving, when I'm praying, when I'm in the shower, daydreaming. These are the times when I just naturally go into that state. Yet a practitioner of hypnosis or a hypnotherapist can be there to facilitate on the learnings that the conscious mind said to teach the unconscious mind. What did I just say? When I sit down with a client and I say, what do you want? And they say, I want to stop smoking. That's their conscious mind talking to me. So now I, the facilitator, once I know that the client is in a state of theta, I can facilitate the learning, the conscious learning, to the unconscious mind. The unconscious mind is most active 
right now during that state of theta. Ah, you just got it. Yes, I'm so glad it's making sense, right? Because consciously we want things, we desire things. How do we communicate that to the unconscious mind? If we go unconscious, can we consciously talk to our unconscious mind if we're unconscious? Not really. That's why we need a second person there, a practitioner of hypnosis. Ah ha ha, this is making perfect sense, right? Yes, of course it is. Yet, as promised, I want to tell you what the other two energetic states are. Yes, there are two others. We've covered delta. That is the slowest brainwave that is the most active when we're totally unconscious in a dreamless sleep. Then there's theta. When we are able to dream, we're using our imagination and fantasy. We're maybe drowsy, right? Or relaxed. That's the theta state. What's next? The next energetic state is alpha. Alpha is a state of calm and peace. It is the bridge from the conscious to the subconscious. It's the major rhythm seen in most relaxed adults. I'm awake, yet I'm also calm. I may even have my eyes closed, or they're open and yet I'm in deep thought like if I were writing a story. I'm consciously thinking, and I'm also very relaxed. I can problem solve. Alpha is one of the brain's most important frequencies to learn and use information taught in the classroom or on a job or listening to this podcast. You are probably in a state of alpha while you're listening to this. You're relaxed, you're thinking, you're contemplating, you're receiving everything that I'm saying. That's alpha. Okay, now lastly, let's talk about beta. Beta activity is fast activity. This is the fast brainwave. This is the brainwave that is accessed when we are listening and thinking during analytical problem solving or decision making. We're trying to solve a problem. We're trying to come up with a decision. We're thinking a lot. We're using our conscious brain. This is the part of the brain that we use to process information about the world around us. Beta would represent overdrive or hyperdrive in a car scenario. So remember earlier I said you're probably driving your car in theta? Well, you're going to be snapped out of it into beta immediately if somebody cuts you off. Whoop, now you're alert, right? Well, that's exactly what I was saying when I said earlier in this podcast, if you were in a hypno session, theta, and someone said something that went against your moral code and said, and now you're going to rob a bank. Boom, you're alert. You're back into beta brainwave like that. Because immediately your unconscious mind says, no, I wouldn't. Something's wrong here. And something's wrong here alerts the brain to speed up and take you back into beta immediately. The interesting thing about beta is that even though it's categorized as fast brainwaves, there are actually still more categories of beta in subcategories. So there's low beta, mid beta, and high beta. Low beta would be feeling relaxed yet focused. You're using that focus to concentrate. Mid beta is I'm alert, I'm active, but I'm not agitated. It's just a very active alert state. And then high beta would be a feeling of agitation, hyper alertness, stress, for example. There is one final energetic wave level called gamma, 
And this is when we're integrating different thoughts, when we have to do high level information processing, we go way up to gamma, but we don't live there. It's just the highest, fastest brainwave is gamma when we're doing high level information processing. So I know this podcast got a little heady and yes, pun intended, we were looking at brain waves. yet it's important to understand that brain waves are just energetic states and we are in control of those energetic states. We really are. Someone who's certified in hypno, they're there to help facilitate an energetic state in your life if that energetic state is going to get you results that you require to live your best life. Now, really quickly, I did tell you at the beginning of this podcast, I'm going to give you some tips on how to access these different energy states on purpose so that you can be more in control of your brainwave function or what your energetic vibration is. If you're someone who really is in that fast, alert, kind of high stress state all the time, and you're free from that, if that's not you and this doesn't resonate, just let it go. Yet if you're looking to slow down your thoughts, that's when I would suggest things like walking outside, exercise, meditation, prayer, a gratitude journal. These things are not just good tips for living a best life. It's like, what is the science behind these activities? What is the science behind getting a good workout? Or what is the science behind going on a walk? And yes, there's a lot of benefits to going on a walk. For example, hello, fresh air and vitamin D. Yet there's also accessing an energetic state in your brain, allowing yourself to calm that energetic frequency down. So if you're hyper alert and it's agitating you, going on a walk will actually allow you time of reflection and it will allow you to go inside and it will allow you to slow down that brainwave. That's what causes you to feel more calm. Isn't that so cool that now you know the why? Why do these things work? Why does everyone prescribe meditation? What is meditation? Why is it helpful? Well, spiritual practices aside, because I'm not going to go into the spiritual debate of meditation. If you're just looking to have a moment of quiet, to go inside, to think and reflect, that's why someone might recommend that you meditate. Because in this state of meditation, you're accessing a different brainwave, a different frequency, a frequency of calm. Doesn't that make sense? Yes, there is a science behind why meditation helps people have less stress in their life. It's because they're accessing a slower brainwave more often. Now, last thing, what if you're really slow and you're having a hard time waking up and you want more energy, but you're feeling kind of stuck in a slow state? What can you do to speed yourself up? I would recommend that you think about a time so you consciously call back a time in your life where you had a lot of energy and you go back to that time and you relive it in your body. So you just go back to that time in your mind's eye or you can close your eyes and take a look around inside that memory. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you feel? Did you feel super excited? And you reliving those moments actually speed up your energy level. They actually speed up your brain wave. 
because your body remembers that emotion and it floods your body with whatever emotion you were feeling at the time. So you want to feel more excited? Think about a time when you were really excited and really think about it. Go inside your body in that memory. Look through your own eyes. See what you saw, hear what you heard, and feel those feelings. That'll instantly take you to a higher frequency. Now, last thing I'm going to leave you with, who is hypnosis right for? Hypnosis is for someone who wants change and is at a sticking point in their life. And maybe they've tried other things. Maybe they've tried therapy. Maybe they've tried different coaching modalities. And for whatever reason, they keep coming up with the same behavior. Hypnotherapy might be right for you because it will allow your conscious mind to talk to your unconscious mind and explain to your unconscious mind in symbols and in story and in metaphor how the behavior needs to change. And once the unconscious mind is clear that the behavior needs to change, it'll make the changes in your waking life. So that is who hypnosis is for. All right. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that you found it educational. If you're curious about working with me one-on-one, I do have a few spots left for some free consultations. Now, when I say consultations, what is a consultation? A consultation is sitting down together for you to present what changes you would like to make in your life. It's for you to discuss with somebody where you're at now and how it's not really where you would want to be. It's for us to come up together with a vision for your life, what you do want instead. If right now is not the life that you want, let's create a vision together of a life that you do want. And then during that consultation, I'll help you decode what the block is, where are you getting stuck, what's getting in your way. And then we can determine if we're going to be a good fit to work together long term. There's no pressure. Yet you'll have an idea of what solutions you could possibly pursue, whether that be with me or someone else. So take advantage of these free consultations. I don't do them often. In fact, I don't think I've given away free consultation in probably four years or more. And I probably won't do it again for a long time. So I'm serious when I say book it now book it now, go to my calendar. It's in my show notes. So all you have to do is scroll down to the show notes, click on the link there. That'll take you to my calendar. Select the day that you want and it'll show you what times I have available on my side. So we can just easily and effortlessly select a time that works for both of us. It'll be on Zoom. And so at the time of your meeting, you'll get an email that says join here and we'll both pop our beautiful faces on Zoom and sit down and have that free consultation together. Take advantage of that. What do you got to lose? All right. Remember, life is a journey. You're the one in the driver's seat. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, Or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.